trust us. You know, they, they, they're like they've got us sussed from the minute that mm. we meet them. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's it's ninety so percent toil. <laughs> and then they hug you up and say uh, they love you and stuff and yeah, you go oh, okay then yeah. alright so well yeah. I'll, I'll forget that you threw the remote on my face <laughs> so I will give you some squishies or squashies whatever they're called it's the bedtime routine isn't it? that's that's what kills me is it the monotony every night it, it, it is monotonous oh. is it like bath story bed yeah. yeah they don't want to do it I don't want to do it they don't want to do it yeah. it's just it's a lose-lose situation no mm. because for me it's like within a f- within 30 to 40 minutes the day I'll be free of them again until tomorrow yeah that's a fair point like really it. selling it aren't we yeah, like <laughs> focusing on the end goal so, yeah. no like when it when it gets like because my youngest goes to bed I take her to bed at 7 and so at 6 o'clock it's like I, the, the relief starts to come over me I think right because my, <laughs> my 6 year old she's quite self sufficient so she, you know she's she'll be nagging me for like sweets or like watch this video with me or whatever yeah. that she's shown me like 50 times mm. but but the other one is just I want you know a sandwich everything oh, do you though yeah I want a sandwich a fish finger sandwich you've got to put the grill on <laughs> yeah it should yeah. be screaming at me to make this sandwich <laughs> and I make the sandwich you take one bite and be like I don't like it <laughs> I want ice cream and I'm thinking where, where does this end you know what I mean like get you the ice cream but you're too soft the question no, is yeah, the question is where I, does it come from that's that's the question isn't it what do you mean well I want, I want a sandwich you make it I don't like the sandwich I want ice cream yeah. get the ice cream yeah you're saying like I'm facilitating that behaviour yeah. uh, I'm not yeah. I'm not I'm no, not listen, I'm not really I'm calling saying out, I'm just, no listen right, <laughs> I I wouldn't class myself as strict yeah but I probably have been quite firm at times maybe too firm mm. right but eventually you get to a point where you just think I just it's a battle I don't need to fight do you know what I mean I mm. used to be very much like when it's dinner time I put the food on your plate I expect you to eat it all mm. like and I've grown up in a household where like wasting foods like mm. some of that we don't do right mm. so I just become fixated on this thing about like finishing your meals mm. and then I just stepped back one day and I was like look my, my job is just to provide the food for them to eat whether they eat it or not, the food is there. Mm. They only go 20 minutes between meals pretty much anyway. <laughs> yeah. Why am I getting so upset about, cause she didn't eat all of her chips, for example. Mm. So then, and as soon as I was able to let go of that, everything's just better. Life is easier. Life's Life easier. Sweet. The relationship mm. with the kids is better. The anxiety around dinner time goes away. Yeah. You've been brought up with values that you don't waste food, that you eat your food. Yeah. You but, make the but this is the, the resources thing. you're given. Correct. Yeah. But but what I realised is those values that were instilled to me, in me were were in a different time mm. and a different generation where food wasn't so abundant and so cheap and, you know, I'm being raised by a single mum and blah, 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 blah. Right now it's like, it's food everyone cares. It's just different, you know. Still Even like values. my, my mum, right? My mum, yeah. And this, this is when I really realised it. My mum, she, she put a pizza in the oven for someone, maybe me or my sister or whatever. We'd already eaten, we didn't want it, right? So she took that cooked pizza and f- froze it, right? Good. And I, I was like, why, why are you freezing it? She's like, well, I don't want to waste it. 
Think, mum, it's like a one pound fifty pizza. Yeah, it? it's not going to taste that good when you've. You're probably going to been in it anyway because no one wants that now. <laughs> they want a fresh one, and you've got this mindset from like 20, 30 years ago where food is like this precious resource. It's one pound fifty pizza, mate. It's made in the factory. Like, who cares? You just get it in the bin. Like, yeah, not even. Oh. It's just, I'm with your mum. I would have frozen that pizza. Would you? Yeah, I definitely would. Nah. It, it does make you think about, you know, food scarcity in, in some parts of the world, doesn't it? And, mm. you know, we are very, very lucky that we can just walk into a shop that's not very far away from yeah. you and get yeah. food for not very much mm-hmm. in comparison where in some places that's just not the case, is it? So I get I get where your mum's coming from, but I also understand where you're coming yeah. from. Yeah. So it's just, it's finding the balance, isn't it? Mm, it really it is. is. Yeah, that's, is. that is tough. But it goes back to what we were talking about in the car backs, about values and core values yeah, and, yeah. And, and having those, mm. but being able to say, right, well, that no longer serves me. Mm. Correct, exactly. You know, and that's absolutely fine. And be at peace with it. Let it process it, let it yeah. go. And then just flex a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So that's now moved into your flex. It doesn't matter if you don't, if you don't clear your plate, it's fine. Yeah. As long as you've eaten something, I've provided something. Exactly. You're fit, you're healthy. And I'm still going to encourage you. Like, I'd, yeah. I'd, pref- I'd prefer if you ate the food, right? Mm. And I'm annoyed that you're going to say you're full, which is a lie. <laughs> and then 30 seconds later, you're going to come in and be going, I want some chocolate or whatever. And then we'll get into this little back and forth from like, well, finish your food then you can have the chocolate, but I'm not hungry. But you are because you want chocolate and chocolate is also <laughs> food that will go into your st- And then I just think, I'm not going to have an argument with a six-year-old. And it's negotiation at this point. Yeah. yeah. We've gone into a different podcast altogether here. We're in <laughs> but let, let's pull it back. <laughs> Welcome to podcast, Tanya McCallum. Thank you very much. Uh, have I done that right? You have, yeah. That was Absolutely. right, that was spot on. No, because you said... McCallum, yeah, McCallum, yeah, yes. Mm. So I'm happy. Yeah. Tanya, give us a little thirty seconds about yourself. What it is you do? Who you are? What you do? Okay, so I am an inclusion consultant, and I work with small to medium-sized businesses, helping them to create that culture of inclusion within their organisations. Excellent, and bring that to life for for me, watchers, listeners. What what does inclusion? mean for a for a small business like like us we're spectrum with 60 people yeah what does inclusion mean for us inclusion is really about i mean for me inclusion is a practice so it's a practice that is intentional so people need to be committed to it they need to be intentionally being a part of it but i think what it for me what it encapsulates is this idea of everybody being able to come to work be themselves um be fully supported and be able to thrive okay and I'm going to play devil's advocate mm-hmm. a little bit, but so right off the bat, what? Yeah, I'm going straight in. Aren't I? Oh, why? Yeah. Why? Why, why, should, <laughs> why should small businesses care in the nicest possible way? What? Well, well, let me ask you. Rephrase that. Actually, is it top of the priority list for MDs, boards of small businesses? Are you finding mm. when you're speaking to them? Mm. I think it's a great question, Stephen. I think it's a really, a really good question for people to ask themselves. You know, why should why should I care? Because mm. For me, the question is, how could I not, or why? What? Why wouldn't I care? Because it, it's, you know, any business is made up of people, and where you've got people, you've got culture. Mm. Yeah. So you'd want that culture to be a good culture, so that people want to be at work and, and your business is doing well. So, really, it, for me, it's more, 
why why wouldn't you care as a small business if you want that business to stay relevant um, and be an attractive place for people to work? Do I think it's at the top of people's agenda? Mm, yes and no. I think it's becoming more so for small to medium sized businesses. So we've seen you know large businesses and globals, multinationals. It's very high on their agenda, mm. and they've got teams in place. You know, global diversity leads, um, people and culture teams working to make sure that everything is as good as it can be. And it's a process. Mm. And I think for small to medium-sized businesses, um, sometimes they don't see it as being an issue for them. So it's like we don't need to worry about it because we're just the small, small or medium-sized business. Yeah. Others do want to do it, but they don't know where to start or how to start. Mm. And I think for me, when I dig deeper, that might be the initial, well, why why should it why should we worry about it? That seems to be masking a deeper, how do I do this? Mm. And all right then, so how how do they do this? Where where is the starting place for I guess assessing how inclusive you are as an organization? Yeah, well you, you've said it there, that that word assessing. So it's you know if I'm working with an organisation, the starting point for me is, well, let's 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 lay it all out on the table and let's look at where you are. Mm. Because with diversity, equity and inclusion, again, we, we, we spoke about this back briefly, is there's no one size fits all. There's no package that you can pull off. It's like diversity, we'll apply that mm. and, and it's job done. So you really need to look at all of your systems, all of your policies, speak to your people so that you know what that what that temperature's like within the organisation. You've got a baseline from which you can then start. And it's important that you get that because if you just look at what somebody else is doing and try to apply it, it's not necessarily relevant. Mm. So do that deep, deep needs analysis um, and, and do the cultural audit. And is that what you do? So you go in and you what do you speak to stakeholders, you speak yeah. to Yeah, so speak to colleagues. all the start off with the you know, start off in the C-suite, really, yeah. because you've got to have that buy-in, I've found, um, from the very top, because it's that level that's going to drive it. And at the end of the day, they're the gatekeepers as well, aren't they? Mm. Because if, the, if they're not signing off on, the, on those decisions that mean that resources are available, it's impossible to make things happen. Mm. So you've got to have that buy-in. Um, that can often be a, a sticking point because not everybody is. Yeah. So it's really about helping people to understand what is your why? Why do you want to do this? Mm. And once people have got that why, it, it gets the momentum going a little bit. So it's you know it's it's a lot of reflection, um, some sometimes difficult conversations, um, but then getting that buy in and 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 then driving it through the business, having that first audit where you just look at absolutely everything, where that you're recruiting your hiring practices, look at your policies throughout the business. Do you, do you have the policies in place? Um, and then when you've got those policies in place, are they inclusive mm. or are they potentially leaving people out? And and where that happens, again, it's not because people are intentionally on a mission to exclude people, um, but it's it's implicit. It just it's, it's happening because they can't see. We don't know what we don't know. So if mm. we don't have that perspective, then we, we, you know, we're, we're, we're limiting ourselves, aren't we, in terms of what we, what we have an understanding of. So once you've done that audit, then I would work and say, right, let's, let's put together a strategy. So what do you actually want to achieve? Again, it goes back to that why, but this time at an organisational level. So what's the company's mission? 
what's the company's vision um, and then how are you going to get there yeah because it you make some really good points there. I think we took we touched on this outside. It's like this thing of it becoming performative. Mm. And mm-hmm. I think that if you go up to like the, 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 the major corporations, your Apples, your Googles, etc., I do think that is a little bit performative, actually, the extent that they're going to. What word are you using? Perform- performative. So it's like it's it's a performance, you know. Right. We're talking okay. about like in it's disingenuous. Isn't yeah, it? in Hollywood, you're seeing more and more black people being, I would even say, like injected into narratives and stories where they don't necessarily belong. Maybe even Hamilton to a degree, right? Because it's yeah. kind of a weird, you it know. Is. You've got a black George Washington. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he had a couple of slaves, you know. So. Um, <laughs> But then you could make an argument that like, well, it's it's almost like a fake it till you make it type scenario mm. maybe. Like you have to, you almost have to play out what the ideal is until, and, and that kind of feeds down and that becomes more normalized. That then people just do it out of habit rather than feeling that they have to force the situation. Because I know our own MD obviously wants inclusion and he, you know, but he's probably hesitant because he doesn't want to feel like he's doing it as a performance or just for the sake of it mm. you know mm-hmm. and and like for me personally it's like i would never want to feel like i was hired for a job because i was there to tick a box you know i want to be hired on my own merit and my own ability and skill and etc etc and i think for me at least and i don't know about you maybe for other people um you know just speaking from the, the perspective of like being black is like that almost makes me apprehensive to to want to see these sorts of things come into effect because I just feel like is it a bit of a slippery slope? You know, this it's like allyship is a good thing. Mm. I mean, it's something that we should want, but then it's like people just pick it up and run with it, and they go too far, and then it get, kind of gets uncomfortable, and mm. you almost feel like you're being used. You know, mm. I'm I'm being used as as a way for someone else to uplift themselves and feel better about themselves and. You know that's not really a, an area that I would want to get into. I mean, what do you think? What do you think to to that? Obviously, you're in the thick of it, so mm. do you ever mm. think those things? I think there's a lot, definitely a lot in what you've just said there. Um, a lot to unpack, and so the first thing that you said is that there is a lot of performance, you know, performative action taking place. You know, we saw external events happen in 2020 and since then so we've had you know the death of George Floyd really put things into the limelight uh, from a diversity equity and inclusion perspective it's not a new thing is it it's been around for, mm. for a very very long time but it really brought it to the fore because everybody was at home everybody was watching mm. tv even though I don't have a tv <laughs> which have a tv yeah Fax finds this like We'll come back to it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I knew what was happening. <laughs> I do get my news. But yeah, so we've had that. And then we've had, you know, then we've had the pandemic. Mm. Um, and we've had the, the, you know, the people working from home. And, and so there's been real shifts where people have really reevaluated what's important. But I think when it, when it came to a head in 2020 with the death of George Floyd, and then we had the, the Black Lives Matter movement, happening there seemed to be a lot of response to that where i think ceos felt like we're going to have to do something we need to be seen to be doing something Mm -hmm. and so it was a little bit of action and a few events being run and uh, a few statements being posted but but nothing lasting Mm -hmm. and that's that's what happens when when it's not tied to your strategy 
it just becomes an initiative mm. and then that's when people start to lose faith in is this really changing because the issues that we face are that, that, that are really going to make the change are systemic you know mm. it's, the, it's the inequities it's and it's not just about one group of people it's about inclusion for all mm. so without without us um embedding it into into what we do on a day to day so that it does become culture this is what we do around here this is how it's done yeah. it, that takes time doesn't it yeah. but, and you've kind of got to go through that process yeah, of yeah. this is where the intentionality comes in Max because you've got to do it you've got to be modelling it you've got to be practising it you've got to be nudging people um, you, you've got to be reminding people keep having the conversations challenging yourself pushing yourself out of comfort um, until it becomes the norm mm -hmm. and it's like any new habit isn't it I mean I've how many times uh, the number of times I've started at the gym you know yeah. and then I can't get the habit I cannot develop that habit so it's just something that I do whereas my dad you know 40 years mm. it's it's what he does it's part of who he is it's just mm. not in me yeah but I would need to be really intentional I would need a coach I need somebody to come and pick me up in the morning take me you know, mm. drag me into the gym, mm. talk me into it, have a nutritionist next. I'd need the works. But eventually I think it could become a habit. Mm. And it's and it's the same thing. It's it's it it takes time. You need to be deliberate it, initially. To yeah, absolutely. Hi guys, just jumping in, I want to talk about one of the services we offer, which is robotic process automation, also known as RPA. That is software that replicates human behavior. So if you've got people downloading spreadsheets, attaching them to emails, going on portals, downloading information, moving data around, all that stuff is perfect for a robot. So if that's interesting, get in touch, let's have a chat. Let's see if we can help. Enough from me, back to the conversation. We've Absolutely. talked, you said at the beginning, you're in inclusivity consultant. Inclusion consultant. But, um, yeah. yeah, inclusion. But we've talked about diversity as well. Are the, are the mm. two one and the same? Or can you have a inclusive culture without having a diverse workforce, if that makes sense? I mean, diversity versa. is a given yeah. because every, every, every individual, every time you've, if you've got two people in a room, you, you've got diversity. Mm. Um, but when, when we talk about diversity, I think sometimes again, we go back to this, okay, well, we've got this group of people and this group of people and this group of people. Um, and if everybody's in that group, we, we kind of consider that group to be quite homogenous, but it's not because within that there's diversity mm. of thought, mm. you know, people have got different lived experiences, even within that group that may look the same mm. or come from a similar background. So diversity is a given. Um, you can you can increase that diversity. You can be intentional about that. If you, if you recognize that, hold on a minute, everybody, has the same kind of educational background mm. maybe we need to get a different perspective so you're intentional about your hiring and bringing in some some diversity from that perspective inclusion then is when you when you not just have the diversity but you then enable that diversity and you can leverage that diversity for the good of every individual mm. present and the business mm. so i'm gonna explore that kind of uh, being deliberate about the, for example, recruitment, being mm. deliberate about the habit initially, because everybody is, because people are so different, it is kind of where do you stop? So mm. we need a left-handed person, we need a right-handed person, we need a black person, we need a white person, we need an Asian person, we need a woman, male. Mm -hmm. Everyone's different. So how do you, how do you make sure that you have that 
diversity without having literally a tick box. A tick box, yeah. Cool. Absolutely, and it, it, again, it goes back to what what do you want mm. as an organisation? So, what are your values? We could say if we just kind of make it really easy, and we said fifty percent of the population is male, fifty percent of the population is female. Let's just say that for argument's sake. But you have a business, and and ninety percent of the organisation is is male, and ten percent female. Why? Mm. Why is that? So that's probably a res- it could be a result of um, implicit bias. So people who are hiring a male, uh, they are not necessarily looking at the merits of the females as much as they are the males because there's that affinity mm. as well. So these things creep in and they can impact the way that people perceive another person and then that affects the decision making. So so by by diversifying your um, your hiring managers, you, you've got, or your hiring team, sorry, you've got that diversity of thought so people can see, well, hold on a minute, are we favouring this person for a particular reason? Are mm. we being fair and equitable in this process? Because you've got more perspective there. So is that is that one of the practical things that businesses can do then in terms of that, that hiring process, making sure that the stakeholders involved from the recruiter side are diverse in terms of individuals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. and and that's that's just one thing. But I mean, if you're thinking about your recruitment process, it's it's looking at the whole process. Mm. So that's just one part of it. But you're gonna you'll you'll notice when you have um, let's say you're recruiting and you get uh, fifty applications for a role. Where are those recruit? Where are those applications coming from? Are they all coming from the same place? First of all, are you going out to a recruiter, and is that recruiter diversifying their search mm. because if not they're all coming from the same pool yeah again it goes <coughs> back to where they all coming from the same kind of educational background yeah. where they're going and cherry picking from certain universities um and then and then that's your that's your that's your talent pool and that you're looking at your candidate mm. pool so you you're starting off with a, a not very diverse pool whereas if you expand that search you do outreach mm. you're encouraging more people to apply so it's not that you are it's not that you are then saying, right, well, we need you and we'll pick you because of X, Y, and Z on this list. It's just that you, you're widening the search so more people with the right skills are applying for the job. Mm. What, well, uh, I don't know if you've, do you, do you watch Jordan Peterson? Have you seen Jordan Peterson? I have, yeah. Yeah, and he's he's very um, controversial at times. I know you watch a bit of Jordan, don't you? Mm. But one of the things I've seen him talk about is, uh, we've got like engineers and there's a majority male and that's because I don't know, is it right brain thinking they're more right brain and left brain, I can't remember the difference. And then and then you've got nurses where it's interesting more female and then there was this debate, should you kind of enforce a more bro- more fair split between the two? And his, I think his view is that people are kind of naturally right brained and naturally left brained in terms of male or female. What, what's your view on that? I'm intrigued. It's interesting, isn't it? I think we are socialised to be certain ways. I think we're I think we're socially conditioned, and that's that has been part of the problem and why this kind of stereotypical men are engineers and women are nurses and carers has been perpetuated because we've we do as a society push boys into the sciences and we push girls into kind of the arts or humanities 
Um, less so now. I think there's much more awareness that mm. actually we can have girls in science and technology, mm. uh, engineering and math subjects, and also there are boys who are interested in humanities. And and it's it's just allowing for that, isn't it? Rather than manoeuvring mm. people into certain destinations, and then those those destinations, whether it's engineering or or healthcare, become saturated with a particular demographic, and then you've got to then you get to this point where it's like, oh, hold on. Yeah. There are no there are no women in, in mm. here or there are no men in the room. What do we do? How do we get here? What do we do about it? So you've got to then go back a few steps and look at how you can how you can change it because it's not as if you know it's not as if there aren't women who want to go into into STEM and it's not yeah, as if yeah. there aren't men who want to go into um, you know caring yes. professions. It's yeah. it's just the perception. Mm. And it's overcoming. It's challenging those. Uh, it's challenging yeah. those norms again, isn't it? It's 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 really nuanced and complicated, isn't it? Because I I my gut is that there's a there's an element of both things at play. I do think that there probably is a uh, proclivity for you know because at the end of the day, like it's it's not that we all shouldn't be tr- treated. Tr- I nearly said tret tret equally. Said tret. Yeah, using big words today. Proclivity. Proclivity, thank you. Yeah, oh. yeah, I just found that one yesterday. Um, no, I, th- I think like we're not all the same, but we should be equal and we should have equal opportunity to do what we want to do. Mm. I personally do feel that there is a difference in the way that the male brain works and the female brain works in general. It's not always going to be the case, right? Um, which then kind of like, all right, so maybe guys are going to be more likely to go down this route. But then there's this reinforcement that happens on top of it, which then almost makes it like a bit of a monopoly where it's like, right, this is just exactly how things are and how they'll always be. Because I also think that like, there are there are lots of different areas within STEM or within healthcare. It's not all just about like, I'm gonna be in a lab, you know, just mm. tinkering with stuff. Mm. There are different elements, like different ways of thinking and skill sets, and it comes back to this diversity and, and sort of inclusion where people could bring value to those environments. But the focus just very much comes down to women are more caring. And in these industries, it's all about looking after people. Therefore, women go there or women are drawn to that. Mm. But, and, and even now with like advancements in technology and stuff like that, I think we chatted on a previous podcast about this so-called soft skills and hard skills and like soft skills being becoming more and more needed because a lot of things are being automated and, and stuff yeah. like that and like not being able to to have a, to, to communicate with people and have a positive interaction with people in a workplace environment is now another big word for you detrimental to that scenario so I think and, and, and again I think generally as, as, as a society we have this need to oversimplify everything you know it's like I remember you know probably in my early 20s like you discover a new concept or an idea that really makes sense to you mm-hmm. and then boom that's that's how the world works now mm-hmm. like i'm totally committed to that idea and call back again like to what we just said we said about your culture and your values and your beliefs they should you should be open to them changing you should mm-hmm. be open to being challenged mm-hmm. you know, it's not about right or wrong it's just about what's the greatest benefit to everyone involved you know and same with the inclusion i don't think it's necessarily a case of yeah, you've got to take active steps, but ultimately create an environment where people are welcome and you will start to see more people from diverse backgrounds appearing around you. It's yeah. just 
it's like a, a, a I ain't got a big word for that, but yeah, it's just like it's just like a good thing, you know. It's a natural progression, isn't it? Yeah, from, from creating, and that's that's what you've just described there, Bax. Is is my approach is create the culture first, mm. and the people will come. Yeah, yeah. If you if you don't do that, how can you how can you hope to attract talent? Mm. So, you know. You've got you've got a diverse you've you've got you've got a diverse group of people, and that's absolutely fine. So you've you've ticked that box, mm. right? But that's all that's all that's happening. So they're not included in conversations. They're yeah. not included in uh, decision making. Nobody's asking their advice about this particular issue that they might have some experience of. Mm. Um, and eventually what happens is you just think, well, what's the point? You know, why why am mm. I here? What value it goes back to that value, doesn't it? Of what value am I adding to the business and what what value is the business adding to me? How am I growing in this business? How do I yeah. fit into it? Um, because ultimately we want that sense of belonging. And I think, you know, we could take we could push it even further and talk about belonging. Because mm. that's ultimately what we want. We all want to belong to something. Now I'm sure there's none of us around this table that's that's um not had the experience of working somewhere where you just think, no, this is not, it's not mm, for me. Yeah. What <clears throat> is it about that? If I was to ask you, Steve, what was it about that experience that, that, that was the critical point? Mm. Then you said, no, enough. Mm. Yeah, I think it's something that builds up, isn't it? When the culture's not right and you know, I'm all about change and transformation and doing stuff yeah. and you've got work in a culture which is slow and bureaucratic and mm. hierarchical and mm. it it can be it I guess clashes with your cult with your values and therefore then you just think actually I need to go and do something somewhere that I'm gonna be happier. Yeah. Somewhere so, that I can do this yeah, and yeah. I can belong and I can be me and I can yeah. be authentic and I can bring my ideas to the table and they're valued and the business moves forward because of that. Not mm. not just yourself, but you know, that collective um, sharing of ideas and perspectives that moves things forward because you've got more innovation, mm. more creativity. So what you, you've talked about some of the kind of practical things that that businesses can do in terms of inclusivity and diversity, in terms of the recruitment process, making sure that we're broadening the pool. What, when it comes to culture, creating that culture, what, what are the things that businesses should be doing to create an inclusive culture? I think a lot of it comes down to listening. Mm. So actively listening to what people need in order to feel um, included. Um, have you heard of the concept of psychological safety? Mm. Yeah. So if, if you can create psychological safety in teams and within the organization, then people feel like A, that they have that inclusion safety, that they've got the learner safety so they can, they can um, they're free to learn and safe to learn, but also safe to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. And then they've they've got that um, contributor safety, so they feel like what they say is valued and can be brought to mm. the table, but also that challenger safety. So if you disagree with something or something's not right and you want to speak up about it, you can also do that mm. without any detriment. Okay, so if you can create that in an organization and that's about being open it's about being vulnerable it's about not wanting that hierarchical um leadership that seems to me to be very much on its way out you know mm. if not almost there because more and more 
organisations have got flatter structures, mm. um, which is making it's it's kind of laying the foundation, isn't it, for that for that inclusive culture to really start to come about. But you've got to be intentional. You've got to be willing to be open to people challenging you. You've got to be open to not having the right right answer every time, mm. and for somebody else to be brought in because they might know different. They might not be senior or or peer, but got that they've got that perspective i think you must have a tough job selling this because i think leaders all of them like to think they've created a culture within their business which is inclusive which i i would i would love to think i hope to think that people in my team feel the psychological safety that they can come and tell me bad news because that's, yeah. that's what i talk about a lot of the time yeah I bet I think you must find it difficult. I'm imagining for leaders to acknowledge that actually they haven't created a culture which is inclusive and yeah, diverse. And, and it's not for me to convince anybody and let the data speak for itself because mm. you do the surveys, um, you ask the questions, and you get the feedback. and And what I do find is that um, people are more likely to tell me than mm. they are to tell their their manager mm. or the CEO. Yeah. So it, it it does come out, and then it's a case of well are you as a leader open to that being the case mm -hmm. and then do you want to do something about it or do you want to continue believing that mm -hmm. this is the case and keep doing what you've always done you might have done you know but let ask the question yeah because making those assumptions could take you into you know could just lead you into a, a space where you don't want to be mm. yeah I, I think you're right as well because it's it is it's like the tricky part is I'm thinking if I'm a leader, or if I put myself in the shoes of a leader, it's like, what's, you've got to have like a big enough reason to want to do it right. Mm. And so, like, does a leader, is a leader sat there one day and just thinks, do you know what? Like, it's not very inclusive, oh dear. And mm. so, you know what I mean? Yeah. And again, Sometimes that's maybe that, that top down thing. Like, there will be people, because they'll have moments. I think it, there's, there's an exposure element to it, you know. My interactions over the years, you know, working at companies and freelancing and stuff like that is like, we probably just take for a given that people have got groups of friends that are kind of diverse already. And then often I'll talk to people. It's like, they, they don't know any black people. Mm. They rarely interact with any black people. So they're just not even thinking about that. And then that can bring up all these kind of awkward scenarios where they're not really sure what to say. And like, you know, I, I knew someone who like wouldn't refer to me as black because they felt like that was somehow had some racist tone to it. And mm. I and I said, well, what color are you? Mm. And they said, oh, I'm white. So what's the difference then? Mm. Like, why why can you be white? I can't be black. We can't <laughs> ignore it. We've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable, haven't we? And what you said there is really interesting because I always I use that as an example for people and say, well, but here's a piece of paper with a list of you know characteristics if you like and, and I'd like you to to write down the number of people in your social circle or professional circle that you know that that kind of match those those are people that have those characteristics and um, and it's when people realize when they look down and go oh yeah, mm. actually you know my my circle is quite limited in terms of its diversity and and what's that stopping me from being able to see so it's never a criticism from my part because that's just where people are mm. and I always want to meet people where they are and then say right let's we can move forward from here or we can move to a different space from here but but it's, it's no judgment it must be different 
geographically around the country. Yeah, I mean, I was speaking to um, I was speaking to uh, a guy last week, in fact, about this very thing, and he'd had a day of it. Just felt like he'd been exposed to diversity and inclusion all day, and it was, you could see his mind just going in, in, into overdrive. And uh, he said, when when I was at university. Um, I had a very diverse group of friends and I was living in the city and you know I was I was I was mixing with lots of different people and then you know I met my partner we got married we had children and we moved mm. and they've moved into the suburbs and and that's not diverse mm. you know there's, there's there's a lot less diversity um and it, particularly in terms of like race and ethnicity uh, there'll still be diversity in that area but 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 what I'm saying is he doesn't have access now as easily to people that he would have had access to. So he doesn't have those perspectives. He doesn't have, he doesn't hear those lived experiences. So he's, it's harder for him potentially yeah. to empathize as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what he was finding and he recognized that. Mm. And so it, it's, it's moments like that that make people think, oh, hold on a minute. Yeah, I have been kind of closed off and protected almost yeah. from this. But I can see it, and it's it's those little things they add up, and eventually people are ready. And I often say, you know, it's it's like, it, for me, it's a bit like therapy. If you are not willing to accept that you need it or that it could help you, you could have the best therapist in the world. Mm. They're not going to be able to do a thing for you mm. because you're just not open to it. Yeah. It's the same with this. You know, my job is not I, I refuse to make it my job to change people's minds i will educate them i will help them to understand i will share information and resources have conversations but i am not on a mission to change anybody's anybody's mind mm. if that happens along the way great mm. but if but, but it's hard isn't it you, you you work in transformation so mm. You know how hard it is, mm, um, it is. Steve, to, to change people. It's the people that's the hardest bit to win yeah, their yeah. hearts and minds. You, you've got to let people see what the benefits are mm. for them. Mm. Okay, me again. Just jumping in to talk about one of the processes that we often get asked to automate, which is the processing of supplier invoices, also known as accounts payable automation. So what does that mean? Well, most businesses receive invoices from their suppliers and a lot of businesses still have people that are manually reviewing those invoices, making sure that they're correct, making sure they're accurate, and then manually reeking them into a finance system or an, or an ERP system. Well, our solution can automate that process. So typically an invoice will come in, we'll use capture technology to understand what's on that invoice. We'll then match that data up against good receive note to make sure that we've received the product. We'll match it up against purchase order data to make sure that somebody has placed an order for that product. And ultimately, if we can match that up, we can automatically push that into an ERP system or finance system and nobody has to touch it. How good does that sound? If there are exceptions, if there are things that need to be checked, that's fine. We can use digital workflow to push that to somebody to eyeball it and say, is this correct or does something need to change? Ultimately, though, that can then be pushed again into an ERP system or a finance system. This is about making your life easier. It's about making operations as quick and as efficient as possible. And we do that all the time. If that sounds interesting, then get in touch. That's enough from me. Back to the podcast. Yeah. I was thinking the same as backs actually, in terms of people don't just sit in their office one day and think, actually, yeah, we need to be more inclusive. So is, is there normally an incident or a, or a trigger or something that sparks... I need to go and have a conversation with someone like yourself about this. Sometimes, sometimes it can be reactive. 
Um, and that's then a different challenge, isn't it? Because that could be that that could have escalated. You know, that mm. could be, that that could have become legal by mm. that point. Um, if we're if if an organisation, if within an organisation there's been um, some form of discrimination and that has escalated, that's a difficult situation to find yourself in. And then it goes back to that piece. Well, this is happening because this has happened, not because we think it's yeah. the right thing to do, even. Yeah. But we know that we need to now. So that's a, that's another conversation. Mm. Um, but it can help in the awareness raising. Mm. It's like, yeah, this is, why did that happen? How have we got to this? And then it's that period of self-reflection that then takes people to that next that, that, that next level. But mostly, Steve, what I find is that people are trying to be proactive about this right. because it's not, it's not new, like mm. I said. It's, no, yeah, it's not true. new. And it's not just about a group of people. It's about everybody in the organization mm. you want to come to work and feel just as valued as as you do and as i do yeah, yeah, so and if we don't feel that that's when we start looking what else is out there because there'll be somewhere that does offer you that yeah and that i guess that's the that's one of the ways of, uh, you sell it to the md the board by mm. it, it's not it's about not necessarily about having a diverse workforce it's about recruiting the, the best talent, retaining the best talent, yeah. delivering the best results at the end of the Absolutely, day. You do yeah. that biodiversity. Yeah. One one of the things you mentioned earlier was that you've done some work in, in Saudi Arabia, which mm. which didn't strike me as the most diverse um and inclusive country to do work in, I'm honest. So what what's your experience of of Saudi Arabia? Well, first of all, you're not the only person that said that to me uh, yeah. when I've told them a little bit about my background and where I've worked. Um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of reinforced stereotypes in the media about the Middle East um, and, and particularly Saudi Arabia. You know, it's, it's it, it has been known as one of the most conservative Muslim countries in the world, um, and people people's understanding may be limited of what the culture is and what it means and how it works. But when I when I was there. I went in 2015 and I went to work out there in, in education and we were actually helping women, young women, prepare for the workforce because Saudi Arabia has this vision for 2030 that they want to reduce dependency on, on oil, they want to diversify their workforce and so they need to take steps in order to make that happen. So there's mm. a lot of focus on gender diversity. So making making um, making sure that women have the skills and necessary skills, but also access to um, the workforce. Uh, so we were we were there helping with that, and since then there's so much more focus on it since I left as well, and also in terms of leadership development. So coming back to these inclusive practices and being an inclusive leader, um, how can we how can we support that? example um, recently working with an organization that is looking at its talent development so how inclusive and how equitable is that because traditionally it was you're you're sitting here next to me we've got quite a good relationship I've got a position opening up backs how about how about taking that job and then what we're seeing now is you know people coming into an organization and they want a career path they want to be able to see how they can develop. What they don't want to see is you getting the job because you were sitting next to me. Mm. Um, so it needs to be equitable. Mm. So it's putting in place frameworks 
and talent development planning and policies to make sure that 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 they've got a more equitable um, practice within within their organisation. Mm. So again, it's small steps, and like I say, it's it's dependent on on every individual organisation. So mm. it's not always we need to change everything. It might be just one or two things that could make a really big difference. Um, and then what you start to see is people are not leaving because they're not looking for another another role where that talent development is being offered. Mm. Um, because they've got it where they are and then you've got the loyalty so you, you're not you know that's again going back to the business benefits and why why should people do it you don't want to be spending all of your budget on recruitment do you mm. that's you know you want no. to get that talent you want to keep it it makes sense I'm really glad you asked about Saudi Arabia actually because you just said something there which I think really illustrates the whole point really well it's like and it, it's not like it necessarily should it'd be nice if it was just like well we all do let's just do it because it's the right thing to do and it's a mm. nice thing to do right but actually like Saudi Arabia realising that well actually our country our culture the future of our, of our of our country will be miles better and is actually dependent on empowering people and, and pushing out these sort of changing this perspective around women in the workplace etc etc because we actually need that to happen. So then all of a sudden you have this big push mm. because even like in, in this part of the world, we really take things for granted, don't we? But like even men and women working together in like a country like Britain, it's a relatively new thing. You know, 50 years ago, probably, mm. you know, our grandparents or whatever, this wasn't really the norm for them to be working in, in an office with, you know, it was like the the men go to work here and the women go to work there and you know even like it's it's silly but like f female bus drivers mm. like or female taxi drivers i remember asking when i when i was really little like why why don't women like, i never see any women like picking us up in a taxi like what mm. why is that and there was all these re it's not safe and blah 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 whatever and it just until until the point where i remember the first time a woman pulled up in the taxi and i was just like what is going on mm. like and not because i don't think women should be able to ride a taxi drive a taxi but just because i it was so i was so used to just seeing this this mm. narrative mm. that that just seemed like completely unusual right, to you're me right, actually yeah i mean our generation is probably the, the second generation where it's been very normal for yeah. females to work yeah my, my grandparents and then combine race into that combined sexuality into that mm -hmm. yeah. which again for in a place like Hull, it's not racially diverse, yeah. right? So even if, for whatever reason, you think, I want to make friends with a black person, hmm. you're going to have to force that to happen, right? But at the same time, the amount of media that we're exposed to on a global scale, because we are now a global community, and we're starting hmm. talking about Saudi Arabia, and they're part of the conversation, all these countries are now part of this conversation. It's like, we know that there's all these different types of people out there that have these different perspectives and different cultures and we we engage in like media and stuff that we enjoy and we mm. get value out of like mm -hmm. experience in those different cultures mm -hmm. and even if we like go on holiday or whatever you know more and more people don't just want to go to a country where there's like where it's being like anglicized is mm. that is that a fair, is that's that, a good word I is like it? that yeah, yeah yeah where it's just like they've kind of changed to fit English breakfast, five euros. Yeah. Uh, exactly, right. 
people want to go to the places where they actually get to be part of the culture and experience stuff and like you were saying about the Ganesh festival that's that, right yeah, yeah you know being able to to be part of that yeah. and, and again even for you as someone who comes from you know uh, let's say like a minority group still kind of having this inner turmoil thinking but is it all right for me to involve mm. myself mm-hmm. in this is that appropriation whatever and what I often find and I think we all find and you experience first hand there is people most people they want to welcome you into their culture yeah they don't they're not thinking oh you just appropriating like my culture no do it buy the clothes wear them like we're proud of these things we we want to see people going out there and doing these things yeah well i will just say in the from the from a cultural appropriation perspective yes appreciate it buy it wear it but understand it yeah take the time to understand it and what it represents and respect that yeah and then yeah absolutely i think that's the that's the difference isn't it in terms of that for example that experience i had on saturday yeah i I wasn't aware of what it was if i'd have just rocked up for example and started dancing and joining in and this is a you know really serious hindu festival that's happening yeah that would have been well it wouldn't have been great would it for a start but the fact that you know i was like right well let's ask somebody who may or may not know but we'll find out from somebody what this is about and then it was having that invitation yeah, yeah, so it's it's, yeah. it's having that and, and, and it's I think respecting right. the boundaries isn't it, it? it's a balance it. yeah, isn't it and it's yeah. like what we're saying about like it's all a bit of a process and there's going to mm. be clumsiness and mm. awkward moments and stuff but as long as you know something i've recently discovered um because you know i've been you know i've been doing a lot of work on myself and the way i view the world the way i view myself and it's like really all it comes down to is giving the other person the most sort of compassionate interpretation of their actions and behavior and just assuming that like people don't always get things right but generally speaking most people have good intentions yeah um and usually it's they're a good person but they're just doing a clumsy or a bad thing it's not most people are not bad people yeah um you know and again in scenarios like that what i often see is you probably will get someone who's all clumsy comes up trying to just inject force themselves into a scenario and rather than the, that group getting real defensive about it they're just like all right well you know let's we're, we're busking here let's let's see where this goes mm. and then you get the, this moment of like there's a proper connect there's something going on there mm-hmm. and that becomes a catalyst and then maybe that person they go away and suddenly they think they, they see a show on netflix like they would have ignored because it, it's got an all arabic cast let's say and they go oh I think I might put that on actually, and the next thing they're booking a holiday to go to, you know, not Turkey, but because I feel like that's quite anglicised, whatever. But you, you see my point; like mm. it creates this mm. chain effect, and it, it just really takes all of us to just kind of just, you know, and probably more so on people such as yourself and and I, yourself and me. Is that good grammar? It'll do. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, I, I'm not judging you, back because I've already said I'm not judging you. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate. It. <laughs> there I is that. There is that cancel culture problem where yeah. if you are clumsy, if you do put your foot in it, mm. then you can get called out to the world. And, and that's not healthy. And actually, it's not healthy. It's not helpful. And that sort of that environment will actually, I think, put a lot of MDs and leaders off yeah, yeah. of I even think. going in that direction yeah. because it's like our whole company could be tarnished in one moment of someone just being a bit of a dick and being clumsy mm. and getting it wrong. And before anyone's had an opportunity to 
to explain themselves or whatever mm. could be just a, 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 a totally honest misunderstanding but it's on Instagram 10 minutes later mm. mm-hmm. and the whole world knows and then people are using it as a way to like be, be an activist off the back of it mm. and all this other stuff to be outraged to be outraged and, that, and that's the thing isn't it and, and you're absolutely right you know we do we are living in a world at the moment where there's an awful lot of, of this cancel culture happening and I, I am in agreement with you I don't think it's helpful I think even if somebody has views that are polar, couldn't be more polar opposite to mine, I'm happy for us to sit down and have a conversation and mm. talk those through. And so I can understand you and your perspective and you can try to understand me and my perspective. And maybe we can find a way forward or maybe mm. we just agree to to walk away and I leave you in peace and wish you well. But you're absolutely right. In terms of company reputation, I think a lot of leaders are quite, tentative in the steps that they're taking towards this particularly in this current climate because mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a culture war going on you know and and we can't ignore that and so i think people are afraid as well to kind of step in and, and get caught up in that and it and it's it it, it can get political and it, it shouldn't but it does um so yeah i think there's some avoidance from that for mm. fear yeah um, and again, not knowing how do I deal with this, but but then sometimes not saying anything mm. can be just as problematic because it's like if you're on the fence all the time, where's the trust? Yeah. So your clients, your customers are like, well, where, what what's your position? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're going to go here because it's very clear what theirs is. So that loyalty shifts, the trust shifts. So it's yeah. a, it's a, it really is a balancing act. Is that the way the world's going, or the industry's going, where people, businesses have to? lay out their position like on the environment we, this is our position on the environment this is our yeah. position on diversity i think on certain points i think on certain points it's becoming an expectation i mean yeah. esg is a big one isn't it yeah. for, for businesses and um and 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 a lot of businesses are, are making those positions very clear mm. but y- you make your position clear but then what are you doing about mm. it so it's, it's fine to have say for example uh, a diversity pol- an inclusion policy or you've got a statement up on your website, but but what's happening yeah. on in the day to day? Because that's what's going to shift the needle. Not having a policy, yeah. not having a strategy, it's what's happening in the day to day. What what are those water cooler moments like? What what's the atmosphere like when you walk into a room? What's it like when you sit in a meeting? Mm. Are you are you shut down? Are you interrupted? Or are you given space to mm. to, to say your piece? So they're the things that really create it. And and another thing is that they're all quite intangible, aren't they? Mm. So it's, it can be hard to measure, yeah, yeah. and a lot of leaders want they want numbers. What's, what's the ROI on this? Mm. So yes, we can measure some things. We can look at recruitment. We can measure, and we can track the data on that and see right, are we mm. recruiting more diversely? Um, are we up? But not just recruiting. Are we then creating a pipeline and 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 making sure that promotions are happening? Um, relative to what the, the demographic of the workforce is, we can measure that. It's harder to measure how somebody feels. Mm. So it's, I think, you know, having that quantitative data, but then also remembering to get the qualitative data as well, because that's where, that's where you're going to see the most um, impact. I think in what what people actually tell you. Yeah, I agree. That's where you get the insights, and it's yeah. sitting down and having a face to face with somebody independent yeah. like yourself instead of the their bosses yeah because it can be just harder can't it to open up to somebody and and again you know 
you can't just declare this is a psychologically safe culture yeah. because if it's not, it, yeah. it's not. So pe- yeah, people clash. people are not going to speak up. But if it's if you if you create one by having you know a non-biased third party, for example, yeah. people might be more willing to open up. But again, it's a process, and it, it, it you have to manage your expectations in terms of what's going to happen and how long it's going to mm. take for the change to to be felt and seen yeah okay yeah. all right l- last question mm. um so the podcast is called tomorrow's workplace today so we always ask the guest if you could cast your mind forward sort of 10 years what what does the workplace look like or what's different what's going to be different about the workplace in 10 years time versus today is this in terms of well, it could be a, anything really but I guess in your within your domain or yeah. if there's other stuff that you think will emerge over the next ten years. Then. I mean, obviously, with the rise of you know automation and artificial intelligence, I think we're going to see a lot more jobs automated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people are possibly going to have more time, mm-hmm. and so not necessarily working physically. Yeah. Um, I think people are going to be working in different locations so we've got hybrid and flexible working now i think that's only going to increase yeah uh, and that's another reason to really focus on inclusion because how do you create an inclusive culture when people are, are yeah, spread out yeah. all over working different times um yeah so i think technology is really going to really going to affect the way that we work and do business with each other mm. i think it's going to open up so many opportunities for us to work far far and wide you know we're already doing it aren't we but i think it's going to open up even more opportunities for us Mm. and that again for me is where this inclusion comes in but you know just to bring in something new but i won't go into it in too much detail but you've got iq which is how we've you know traditionally measured people's intelligence Mm. Um, and then we've kind of moved into this era of eq emotional intelligence but but for me it's about cultural intelligence and that more than anything is is what people need if you can't communicate with people who are not the same as you mm. we're really going to struggle moving forward love that we will leave it there tanya thank you very much for joining us it's been a pleasure it's been great to have you thank Cheers, you man. thank you very much Time for food now i think yeah let's yes do it. i've got a bacon and brie sandwich somewhere nice. oh yeah <laughs>